Hey friends, where do you go when your trust in leadership is completely destroyed? Our guest today says that's exactly when you need community the most, which is creating one of our own. You're listening to Halfway There, episode number 316, Amy Fritz and the Community of the Broken. Hey friends, welcome back to Halfway There. This is the show where we have honest conversations with ordinary Christians about today's Christian experience. I'm your host, Derek Nevins. And I am having a great time. This is going to be a great conversation. I'm glad you're here for it because um, if you're like me, if you've been around, I know that you're going to uh, have some some questions about where we are. And this story I know is going to help you uh, kind of process some of that, I am certain. So our guest, I'm excited to bring her in. She's one of them. I call them affectionately my podcasters. Uh, she, her podcast is called Untangled Faith. Amy Fritz is with us. Amy, welcome to Halfway There. Thank you. It's wonderful to be here. It is great. Uh, I've been wanting to have you on the show for a while, so I'm glad that we have a chance to just connect and hear your story. But uh, obviously, you're more than a podcaster. You're your mom and a wife and all those things. And so tell us a little bit about where God has you right now. Where does God have me right now? Well, right now, literally, we are in Middle Tennessee, specifically Thompson Station, which is South of Franklin and Nashville. It's lovely here. Mm-hmm. We had a false fall about a month ago. It was not <laughs> the real thing. The 90 degrees came back, but now I think it's kind of here. The leaves are changing and it got back up to 80 again, but I have high hopes it will have a real fall. I am a Minnesota native, so I, I miss the Minnesota fall. I do not miss the winter that never ends. <laughs> Right. Uh, yeah, I have three kids. The oldest is a senior in high school. And then I also have a 10th grader and an eighth grader and uh, two dogs, one of which is behind me and will never leave my side. <laughs> She's a rescue. We also got a puppy this year because we had a temporary leave of sanity. <laughs> what happened was I signed up, put down a deposit and I told my husband, um, <laughs> we're getting a puppy. <laughs> Oops. He was like, okay, great. Um, and I never had a puppy before. We've only ever had a rescue. Oh, and nice. did you know that they sort of are puppies for a long time and not just for like a month or so? I did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I would have known that. <laughs> it takes a little time. Everything is chewed on. And then it's All your the job things. to teach them how not to chew. Not it's to very chew in the cute. House. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my husband works from home. He's a software developer. Uh, cool. COVID moved him home. And when you work in technology, it's pretty easy to do technology anywhere. Um, yeah. I, I homeschool some of the kids, public school, our oldest uh, podcasting and writing are things that have found oh, yeah. me in my forties. And I love it. It's oh. just such a great way to connect with the world and to, uh, I'm all about sense making. That's sort of like my theme right now is like making sense of things, some things that are hard and words and connection is a great way to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, all right. So you and I have a lot in common, so which is, is great too. I'm also from the Midwest, from, from Iowa. Our kids are kind of the same You can age. be friends, even yep. though you're from Iowa well, and I'm from Minnesota. Yes. I won't tell you my Minnesota joke. It's okay. Uh, but, but that's, it's not as bad as the Wisconsin-Minnesota rivalry. That's I true. I, I lived in Highland Park, Illinois for a while, which is like 45 minutes from the border to Wisconsin. And yeah. Wisconsin is just Illinois' playground. That's, that's really <laughs> all... 
that it is there for. But that's right. Anyway, okay, we can make fun of Wisconsin together. We'll apologize to some of our other friends about that. But my husband's from Wisconsin. That's fine. Good. very good. <laughs> yes, the Midwest friends, if you didn't know, has all these friendly, friendly, mostly friendly rivalries around uh, all the states, but really uh, will team up to uh, beat up anybody from you know, the coast or wherever. That's right. We know when you're not from around there. <laughs> That's right. Oh, okay. So Amy, I, I want to hear your story and I want to hear uh, all of that. I could have made a much smoother transition to Minnesota, but okay. You grew up in Minnesota. Yeah. So, so tell me about that and kind of what that family was like and, and, you know, where you sort of, I don't know if it was a Christian family or, or mm-hmm. not. Yeah. Well, as it is with most of our families, it's just what is normal to us. And, uh, I am the youngest. I have an older brother who's two years older than me and mom and dad, uh, married together, uh, which, you know, it is give somebody a whole leg up on life that I didn't realize. Um, this was just my normal, but it was easy because family life was pretty stable and I, yeah, I don't think we realize what a advantage that is. I've talked to um, people, you know, when you have kids, you kind of wonder like, Hey, what is the thing that's going to help them succeed? And I talked to um, my uncle who was a, um, a principal and he said, you know what, actually the secret is parents that love each other mm-hmm. and are available. And I had that. I had that growing up. They were, they loved me. They were available. They became believers shortly after my brother was born. And so I born, I was born into a family that were new Christians on fire for the Lord, really wanting to follow him, uh, late seventies. Uh, and they, I mean, late seventies, early eighties, I was born in 76. So while I'm having conscious memories, this is like my mom and dad are like devouring whatever they can to be discipled. And this is like focus on the family that is on all the time in the background. Um, we were at church, uh, Sunday morning, Sunday night was a thing then too. And Wednesday night, um, went to the Christian school that was associated with our church. Uh, and I did not struggle because, well, there's this thing in me. If you follow the Enneagram, I'm a two. I love to be loved. I want people to adore me. And because I was good at grades, Mm. Uh, school wasn't really hard. I wasn't a genius, but I could, I could do well. And I just followed the rules really easily and things worked really well for me. Um, I assumed it was because of the work that I had, you know, <laughs> that yeah. I, I was just this great person. No, I think, you know, I was just, I had a personality that worked really well in this environment, even though it was, you know, pretty legalistic, uh, you know, a lot of hearts, people meant well, but a lot of the metrics were on outward appearance, like, uh, you know, giving out trophies for Christian character. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, I got one of those. And now I just sort of want to vomit over that. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I have in my <laughs> collection of miscellaneous things, I have a pin that my grandfather was given for perfect attendance. He was like the dude was always there, right? He was very always faithful. There. And I, I kind of keep it in the same sort of regard. I'm like, I, I don't know how much I care about that, but I, I hold it as a relic of, of him. Um, but I get it. So there's these things you're like, okay, 
sometimes it can be, it's important, important to show up, but sometimes we can almost trivialize it. Yeah. I had some pride, unearned feeling of like accomplishment Mm -hmm. that I was like the trophy student trophy, you know, youth group member, church member. Um, I came to know Christ pretty young. Um, I, I remember asking my mom about communion and why everybody else was getting to have communion and I couldn't. And she shared with me, and I was like, well, I, I want, I believe in Jesus too. And, um, yeah. and so I was, I was, it was a genuine thing for me, but like with many of us who become believers young, you know, we still kind of grow in our understanding and have, and I would say it was like, you know, as I entered into young adulthood, and started seeing more of the world and more of how things don't always work out perfectly. Like I had so many things, I had such a golden growing up experience um, that I did not see a lot of terribly painful things. Um, but the one thing that really woke me up to pain and confusion and things not going exactly that you could do all the right things and things would go bad is shortly after um our daughter was born. She, uh, so we had like our first two kids a year and a half apart. Let's just get these babies over with. Right. Um, that's my crazy, mom had a by headache. The way. That's crazy talk. <laughs> it's that, crazy. talk. That's the talk of somebody who doesn't have any kids yet. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Um, so, um, perfect family boy and then a girl, right. The million dollar family. Um, my mom's head was hurting, bothering her. And like one day my dad called and said, Hey, guess where we are? It was sort of late at night. And I'm like, are you in the hospital? He's like, yeah, we took your mom in to get her looked at to make sure everything's okay. Probably everything's fine. No news is good news. Call you in the morning. This was January, 2008 is real cold in Minnesota in January. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like record breaking, probably actual real temperature, 30 or 40 degrees below zero without the wind chill. It was, it was crazy. Um, Next day, dad calls me and says, Hey, uh, they did a CT scan and they see something, a tumor or something, but you know, it's probably okay. They're going to see how they can take care of it. So it's like, that's sort of a big deal, right? My mom has a tumor. Um, I called my husband to come home and watch the kids. I think we maybe only had one vehicle at the time. Um, My husband was working at a Christian college and uh, we didn't have a lot of money. If you work in uh, a Christian organization, uh, typically yeah. that sort of situation, you don't make a lot. Um, so I drove to the hospital and um, we waited all day for her to get her MRI. And then finally she had her MRI. And um, while we were waiting for the results of her MRI, um, she passed away. Mm. We were sitting in the hospital and a code was called and we watched people run by us they must use a different room number than the actual one because of how it would alarm people probably. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but um, after they all ran by my dad and I, and the friend of my mom that was sitting there, we said, my dad said, somebody must be in trouble. We should pray for them. And mm. we stopped and prayed. And then we walked down the hall and turned the corner and all those people were outside my mom's room. And the security guard said, are you family? <laughs> yes, we're family. And they asked us to go back and sit down and that someone come and talk to us in a minute. Like that moment of like, what just happened? So someone came and said, we went and checked on her and she was unresponsive. 
we've got her on, you know, machines are breathing for her right now. We're going to do another MRI to see if there's brain activity, but she was on blood thinner because she had had a heart valve replacement years before. And that's, it's just not a great, you don't, you're not on blood thinner unless you actually need it. Very, yeah. Cause it's, it's a dangerous thing. Keeps your blood from clotting right. easily, but she had an artificial heart valve. So she needed to have that. Um, so later on the MRI, the, the second MRI results came back. There was no brain activity and, you know, we gathered around her in the ICU, prayed for a miracle. And I stood next to my dad and listened to him beg for her life, you know, saying, wake up, Carol, wake up. And, you know, asking God to wake her up and the side of heaven, he did not. And that was a life-changing moment for yeah. sure to stand there. You know, I had had so many things go right and it's not like everything had been perfect. Um, but to have this really deep grief shock your system in that way it really made me understand pain and suffering in a way that I hadn't before. And it made me more interested in sitting next to the people with hard stories. It made me more mm -hmm. compassionate towards people that didn't have the, right. I would say patience for all the right answers that don't necessarily come with compassion. You know, the Job's friends situation. I've been listening to Job on the, you know, listening to the Bible app, yeah. reading Job and I'm on that, part where all of the friends are trying to say the right things and, and they aren't being helpful, even though some things are truthful, some things aren't truthful and there's some assumptions being made, but I just realized in that moment that all the truthful things in the world, ah, they don't stand up next to just sitting with somebody and letting them grieve and say, this is terrible. And I'm so sorry. You know, I do. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, that's a lot in there. I know it was a lot. I got a lot of questions, but as you're describing just that breathtaking moment of when, when yeah. you're, you were like, we're going to pray for this person. And then you realize suddenly, wait, that's somebody that I love yeah. that, that is, that's gotta be just very, very difficult and kind of life-changing, obviously. Um, and then just to hear you describe just the prayer, I'm curious what happened to your faith in those moments? Because before maybe it was a little idealistic, a little God always answers prayer and there's three answers and all these things probably, right? Yeah. And yeah. then it's, but what about this? What about us? Yeah. I mean, I guess it, that went from the, in theory, I know, I know things don't always work out. You know, if you do all the right things, bad things can still happen, but that wasn't really my experience very much. Um, and so at this point I was like, okay, I get this. I understand. I'm going to trust you, God. Like, I know that this is really bad, but I'm going to need you to give me a pass on all the other things. Uh, I'm going to give you this one, but it's a big one. So <laughs> oh, okay. I'm so going to be real mad at you. If like I go home now and I can't get to sleep because my kids are crying all the time and dealing with other hard things like what like i i now have met my deductible of hard things oh that's great, that's great. <laughs> the rest of it we're gonna need a like, small percentage of the rest of yeah, the pain I mean, of my and life <laughs> i became more i think i became more compassionate towards people that 
like just had been hurting and less compassionate <laughs> towards the people that are just like, get it together. Get it. Why can't you just get yourself together? And here's yeah. the answer. If you just do the thing. And I'm like, Hey, I know I can just do the thing and I could die from a headache. Right. Cause you just don't know. Right. So there's yeah, like, and it just, you know, there are senseless things that happen in the world. There, there really, really is. And so at that point, like I trusted God, but there are a lot of things in that season that happened that were really difficult. My mom passing away. And then we all dealt with grief in different ways. If you have kids, I don't know if you have daughters, but I realized that every time I had called home, it was to talk to my mom and I had a relationship mm -hmm. with my mom and the relationship I had with my dad was through my mom. My dad and I did not know how to talk to each other. Wow. And figuring that out as an adult was very difficult while everybody's grieving. And so he was grieving in his own way and I was grieving in my own way. And, um, my dad, uh, started dating somebody and didn't tell us decided that he was going to keep it a secret from us. And when we did find out, he did say it was none of my business. Wow. <laughs> his life was his business. Uh, so he, he was protecting himself a little bit there. So yeah. Like, yeah. And like, who am I to question him? I'm his daughter. Right. And it was just really a painful time. And at that time I was like, I kind of want to run away. Nathan's job was struggling. He had had, they had replaced him, but kept him on because they really needed his, his expertise at the college. But they basically said, we don't want you in this job, but we, we want you to stay here. <laughs> and it was a really, really horrible situation. And that's when I found like this great opportunity yeah. online. I was like, Oh, you know, maybe we could just run away and leave all this hard stuff and go to the promised land of like middle Tennessee and everything <laughs> will be better. Oh, it will, it will be great. If only we'll you leave knew. our, our house that was like literally and figuratively underwater from yeah. time to time. Um, it, <laughs> yeah. Did you, know, did you know at one time I wanted to run away to middle Tennessee as well? You did? I did. Yes. Well, come on. Everyone it's a whole other story we don't have time for, but yeah, that's, that'll be part two. I hear you that'll say be on that my podcast. Like, I just go, wow, that's amazing. Okay. But God, so God doesn't always work that way, but you did actually move. So well, well, before um, we talk about that, I want to talk about just your own personal sense of the Lord. So was it during this time, I don't know how long that was, what the time period was. And then what was your own sense of like, were you still operating in this kind of grief and God, we met our our grief deductible. I'm, I'm that might I might even name the episode that now. The grief. You know deductible. what? That just came to me. This is a gift for you because I've never said this before. <laughs> it just came to me. It's it must have been Holy Spirit. But that, it was about three years. Okay. It was about three years of that. Of like, this is really hard. I feel stuck. I feel like we need just yeah. to get out of this and just okay. have a fresh start somewhere for our family. Gotcha. And, you know, God uses those things for better or for worse. And, you know, even when we make decisions, maybe not for perfect reasons, it's not like we can make a, we can out decision ourselves out of his ability to speak to us, use us. And right. Yeah. He, well, his will is bigger than that. I believe. I, th I think grief is a little bit like that too. And so people say it comes in ways, but it also sometimes you're running from it and you don't know, right? My guess is you probably didn't know that that's what you're doing at the time. 
Oh, I kind of knew. You did? Kind of okay. didn't care. Kind of was like, but what if this is one of the reasons, one thing that can help us start? Or do it anyway. Do okay. something different. All right. right. So you run away to Middle Tennessee. Yes, we did. 2012, we ran away to Middle Tennessee, did not know anyone here. Um, my husband had always loved doing web development, but he had worked in IT forever. And it's a little different. He ran the IT department at the college that um, we graduated from, uh, but he didn't love meetings. He didn't love the politics of it. He didn't, what he really just wanted to do was sit and write code. And so we, I was looking online. I followed John Acuff at the time. <laughs> this is 2000, late 2011. And oh, yeah. he was talking about this, you know, great place he was working. And I didn't realize that he had recently started working somewhere else, whatever. And it was for um, the Lampo Group, which is the legal name of uh, Ramsey, Dave Ramsey's company, which is now called Ramsey Solutions. Yeah. And I read this job description, Eric, and it sounded like Disney World. It sounded like the best. It, it was great. The best thing. Yes. There were so many cool things about it. And I was like, you know what? They give an opportunity in this application for people to submit a code sample. So you can prove that you know something, even if you haven't had it as your full-time job. And so I read, at a certain point, I read the job description for Nathan to Nathan. I did not tell him where it was. And he's like, that sounds amazing. And like, well, it's in Nashville. Yeah. <laughs> And then I did this sort of thing that's really hard sometimes for us wives. I just stayed quiet and I prayed instead of like, like, hey, maybe, maybe you should do something. I, and he decided to apply. And uh, within a couple months, we were flying to Nashville for an on-site interview and made this decision in early December. We were going to make the jump. And we moved January, beginning of January of 2012. And uh my dad, bless him, we were running away to Middle Tennessee, but he volunteered to help us get our vehicles down there. So he drove our van with our dog in it. No, oh, that's great. And a bunch of stuff that didn't fit in the moving thing. Um, and Nathan and I and the kids, all three kids in the back of his Taurus. Oh. <laughs> and they were young. They were just little uh, three kids in the back. And we drove and on the day that Nathan was getting ready to start work, um, my dad was going to go to the airport. I was going to drop him off, but my dad stood with us and prayed for us and asked the Lord to be with us in our new adventure and drop Nathan off at work. And I drove my dad to the airport and the kids and I dropped him off and cried mm. on the way back. And we started our new life and it was hard. It was really hard to say goodbye to my dad and have the grandkids be so far away, but he had the ability to come visit, which was good. So I love my dad, but you know, it was, it was a hard time for our hard season for our relationship. Um, and you know, it takes a little bit more intentionality to live across country from your, yes, the, your then a year, right? then an hour. Yeah. An right. hour and it's, a half. Yeah. It's a little different than like, Oh, I'm going to plan to come. Hey, can you see come you. watch the kids, grandpa? Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. We yeah. have that. If we have my, my dad come out, uh, it has to be, like you got to come for a week because it's 10 hours away. Right. And, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I, I get that. It's okay. So you moved there during the season. You're still like, this is a great thing. Yeah. And God is in this and led us to this Christian company. So yeah. A uh, Christian company where you could actually make money possibly. Um, we, we didn't start out making any money, but like clearly quickly they figured out Nathan knew more than they thought. They, they said they had grossly 
underestimated underestimated him and he got some great raises good, along the way yeah 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 better to be underestimated than overestimated right 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 okay so i've heard you talk about this story before but things don't exactly yeah. go uh according yeah. to, to what you were hoping for that's correct <laughs> That yeah. is the understatement. I'm understanding because I'm hoping you're yeah. going to fill in the gaps. I, yeah, I, we, the first, the first inkling of a problem, I think was like shortly after we got there, um, one of the wives of one of the people that worked on my husband's team was, I think, driving me to an event or, you know, some of this, uh, girls night out or something. And she's like, just so you know, it's not really as great as they all say it is. And I was like, you know, I just had this moment oh, of, wow. oh no, like, what do I do? Like, I cannot entertain this idea. We just moved our lives here. We don't have a backup. That plan. was how soon after you moved there? I, you know, within a month or two, probably. Oh I mean, so it was just this little seed of like, but then I kind of told myself, I, I was in like self-protection mode, like mm -hmm. to believe that would have cost us everything. Right. Like we couldn't, yeah. I could not believe that. I didn't have the money to believe it. Did not have any other. So I just told myself, you know what? I, mean, I don't think she's a culture fit. <laughs> okay. I, I think she just doesn't, I think she married into it. Her husband already worked there. And before she married him and that's the problem because she doesn't really get it. Like the rest of us get it. We get it. We understand like the program and how to behave and what to do. Um, but there was this really strict um, gossip policy that also applied to the spouses. Um, we were, nobody is allowed to say anything negative about the company. This is a fireable thing. And yeah. so the fact that she said that to me scared me that I could get in trouble. That's a red flag. You shouldn't have like <laughs> fear if somebody says something that isn't hundred percent cheerleading for a place. Well, that's what I was um, wondering is if that's what happened. But so you, you're like, you saw the red flag and you were like, Oh no. Uh, and yeah. kind of hid like you. Yeah. Well, and maybe she was the red flag. Right. I tried to tell myself, well, she was the problem yeah. because like in another year or so they left the company. And so, but I always had that little bit in me of fear. And I saw little by little, as I watched from afar, not really from afar from like pretty close on the sidelines. Cause you know, I didn't work there. Um, but my husband was working there that Dave was pretty active on social media at the time. He isn't anymore. Um, he used to interact with people a lot and he was mean and sarcastic and there was not any nuance to what he would say. And if people even pushed back in good faith to some things, he would totally dismiss them. And it made me very, very uncomfortable because some of these are people that I admired that were, he was like dismissing and causing a big ruckus of online. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that really made me super nervous was they had this uh, article that they had published and it was not even something that was written internally. It was something they saw that was amazing. They thought, and it was like these habits of rich people written by Tom Corley. Oh, yeah. It's like burned in my head because it was, you know, when you have a lot of emotions around something, you remember it. Um, and it was like all these things that rich people do, but the problem is like, it looked like if you just do these things, you'll be rich. And it's things that rich people have access to that people with no money and no resources would never have access to. Like if right. you exercise every day, if you read this many books, if you eat this sort of thing, I mean, it was like 
very much did not take into account people that are in poverty. And I started to see two things then. Um, there was a lot of pushback to it. Dave lost his ever love in mind over it. And mm. I didn't realize what a big deal it would be. And I left a comment on a blog post. Sean Groves had posted about it. And I had responded and said, yeah, I don't totally get where this is coming from. The, the article doesn't seem, it looks more like it's correlation instead of causation. And it was, so it was like a really benign comment, but like they had a big meeting at the office that week saying nobody should be talking online about this. Which is reading all this hate. People are coming after us. The devil's attacking us. Okay. That's a little <laughs> hypocritical anyway, right? Because because Dave was himself was was he talks about people all the time, discussing right? Discussing it on I was social. scared out of my mind. So, so scared that yeah. I had put something out there with my name on it that Nate I like called Nathan. I like met him and talked to him in the van. I was afraid for him. Like, this is not this it's is like, not normal. Okay. You, you sound like you were being hunted by the CIA. Right? I know. I've seen that movie. Uh, yeah. The firm. Have you ever yeah. seen that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's how you're feeling, right? You were like, okay. Yeah, really I was. Yeah. Around the same time, um, some former employees have started a Facebook group called like former Lampo folks or something. And it was a secret. It wasn't a public group, but it wasn't like nobody knows about it. I didn't know about it, but I wasn't a former Lampo folk. Um, Somehow Dave infiltrated it. Oh. I don't know how. Uh, somebody gave access to him. I, I have no idea. And in one staff meeting, he had screenshots of people's conversations and people's pictures. He posted a former employees like, these are bad people. They're saying terrible things about us. Uh, we are being attacked. Uh, and what in the world? Yeah. And so it kind of made it like you shouldn't associate with these people. And they basically were just talking about their experience and some of the questions they had along the way, they good and bad. And Dave lost his ever love in mind. He, and there was an article shortly after in the daily beast, uh, Dave was reaching out to some of these people in the group, none of the women, but some of the men and asking to meet with them and setting up meetings with their pastors without say, I've already contacted your pastor. Let's meet for dinner. And if you're a man, let's sort this out. Yeah. Yeah. Which is also problematic. Okay. Yeah. And it was just, I just wanted to go away. I just want people to stop talking about it. I, I couldn't process the fact that this is really unhealthy. You know, in my mind, I kept just trying to tell myself, these are people that didn't fit they weren't culture fit, you know, of course you have to agree with the place that you're working. Um, and so mostly was able to like, not think about it a whole lot until they started building the new building. They are moving to a different built, um, bigger building. And then I couldn't dismiss the fact that everything just seemed about getting more and more money as many ways Mm. as they could. And my husband worked in like the money generating place in the company. And he saw it firsthand and some things are just making him feel icky. He worked with the endorsed local provider thing. And that's really, people have no idea how much money is made. Oh yeah. I don't know if I did, I probably couldn't say, but the money Dave makes by selling leads to people right, is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's, it's a business. They're very valuable leads. And, um, 
Okay. I just, we started to feel like they were nickeling and diming people that were trying to buy into the leads and all the things and some of the things that made us uncomfortable. Yeah. Okay. Which is not good, but here's, here's my question for you in that season. Where was God for you? Where, where were you? Cause this, we all, we yes, all think about God this, was right? there. Yeah. I mean, there is this crazy narrative that God brought some things into my life. And I think starting in, you know, when my mom passed away. I just started to realize things are more complicated. Things are harder. Uh, there are lots of different perspectives in the world. People love Jesus and things don't go perfectly. Um, I was realizing that the legalism that I was brought up in wasn't, you know, even my parents wouldn't have held to those things anymore. They're like, uh, you know, I, I regret some of this stuff. I wish we had done things a little differently. Um, seeing different things transpire. I mean, God was really placing on my heart a real concern and care about the health of churches mm-hmm. and saying, Amy, I know you love to be loved by leaders in your community, but I kind of want you to be aware of things that are wrong. And I want you to think about what you're going to do about that. Cause you can either be comfortable and close your eyes to the things in your community and keep your position comfortable and secure by not seeing problematic things and not saying anything about it or pretending like you don't see it, you know, purposefully avoiding looking and stepping over the bodies right. <laughs> buried under the carpet. Right. Um, or you can have your integrity and and ask yourself, like, is this really consistent with Christian faith? Is this really consistent with who God says we are to be as people in our churches and our communities? And I God placed that on my heart. I started writing a little bit about it, like on my website, I had a blog that I did for a little while. And then I stopped because I was scared. Um, I couldn't quite, I, I saw too many parallels between some of the things that were unhealthy in like the bigger church evangelical system. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was watching implode with what was happening inside of Ramsey solutions. I do you did you ever read the book The Way of the Dragon or The Way of the Lamb by um Jamin Gogan and Kyle Strobel? No. I highly recommend it. It is so good. Um they basically talk about how in many of our churches we have abandoned the way of the lamb for the way of the dragon. And they had a whole, they had different chapters on different people that had embraced the way of the lamb. And they actually had to rewrite that book because one of their chapters was on somebody that ended up being somebody that was ended up being a sexual abuser, um, Jean Vinay. Um, And this is right after they came out of a, a conference, like sort of retreat weekend surrounded like about this book um, with some leaders and they pulled their book and redid it um, because they could not leave it out there. But reading that and seeing that, and also I started listening to Dr. Diane Langberg, how I found her, I don't know, Um, but she is a Christian uh, therapist who has worked in uh, trauma therapy for many decades. And she is like the, the person. (laughs) I don't know of any, any Christian therapist more revered than her. She understands abuse. And she, she did a, she had a video I found on YouTube called narcissism and the system it breeds. And I took notes on it. Like any good nerd, I watched a YouTube YouTube video and I took notes in my Google doc. And I was like, this sounds like a situation we just had in our church. 
And I like, I sat my husband down and I'm like, you need to listen to this, Nathan. This is just like what just happened at our church. He listens to it and he turns to me and he says, you know, this is just like Ramsey, right? <laughs> I wasn't thinking that. I was thinking this is about a church situation we had experienced. And he said that, and this was like 2016, 2017. And I was like, I knew, I knew, but I was like, no, I just, yes. And no, 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 no. Instead of like, no, I can't see that. I don't, I don't want to see it. like, but I couldn't unsee it, but I was sort of like, yeah, but doesn't any business person have to have a little narcissism? right? Don't they? No. I did not. But from that moment, I couldn't unsee some of the things. And then oh, that wow. was the season when James McDonald imploded. That was the season when Bill okay. Hybels imploded. Um, that was so hard. That too, right? was the season where I started hearing that Ravi Zacharias had been like lying about his credentials and that there were some very serious allegations against him. When I read like the reporting on McDonald, finally, like in the end of 2018, that was a moment for me where as I'm reading this long article, hard times at harvest, it was in world magazine. And I was like, he sounds just like Dave. I knew in 2018 that there was going to be a time that I woke up in the morning or some point turned on my computer or my phone and scrolled through. And I'd see his name there for some reason. I just knew that he, that I just, I knew the whole thing was going to come down. Was uh, some somehow, even though my husband was still working there, I knew in 2018. I didn't tell Nathan right away, but I, I absolutely knew. Yeah. So you knew for you the whole thing would come, come crumbling down. Um, or was I it... knew I knew that Dave wasn't who people thought he was, mm. and I knew there was some inconsistency, and I knew that there was things hidden that people didn't know about. I just knew that something would come out at some point. And that would be a fatal blow to the organization. And now remember, I want people to love me. I want the Christian world. I want my Christian leaders to love me. My so pastors to love me. So the Christian organization to... leaders. I was, I was not the rock the boat person. Yeah. I was the, nothing's wrong. If you just follow the rules, everything's fine. Right. The rule makers must have a reason for the rules. Oh man. So the, the thing, but the thing I'm always cur more curious about, I, I, really despise this kind of thing and seeing it. Uh, so I, I guess I have a couple of thoughts. One is yeah. it's really interesting. I think we're taught and you maybe as a, as a two, as a, somebody who wants everybody to love you do this naturally, but we're taught to sort of overlook the, let's say yellow lights, right? The ones that you're like, Hey, wait, yeah. that doesn't the yellow flags feel right. Or orange right? flags. Yeah, it's fine. That doesn't, doesn't feel right. Everyone's a sinner. No one's perfect. Yeah. I don't, I don't get, so we, th that's how we theolo theologize it, but we, we sort of are taught to overlook those things. Here, here's the thing. I don't think you're alone. Um, no, I'm not. <laughs> I, I went, I went to, um, I went to actually went to harvest in when we lived in Chicago. Oh, that's right. I forgot you were in Chicago. And one time, like I didn't go to the church, but my, my anyway, long story. For some reason, we were there for, for Easter. I watched him preach. My wife and I looked at each other and said, oh, no, we're not coming here. There's no way. We, we just, something fell off to us. So you got to kind of trust those instincts, right? But we're taught to not yeah. to mistrust those instincts. Yeah. But really, if you if we did, 
perhaps we wouldn't be in this situation. Yeah, I think there's two things going on there. One is the, yeah, there's a reason why we feel that discomfort and we should listen to that. But there's also this thing in the evangelical world where we talk a lot about um, a sin nature, but we don't seem to apply it to ourselves. (laughs) It's also like, if we also have a sin nature, that means that everyone has a sin nature. I do too. So does your pastor. And so do the leaders at your church. And for the most part, they probably do mean, mean well, but that also means that they can be wrong about things and they can miss things and they can do things that are harmful. Why would we, we're not fully redeemed and perfect this side of heaven. And unfortunately, you know, we do this whole, like everyone's a sinner situation when we want to dismiss the things that are happening in our own communities, because it costs too much, but we don't want to acknowledge it as everyone's a sinner, as we need to be careful of these things. We need to have safeguarding. We need to have accountability. Hmm. We only want to embrace that. Like everyone's a sinner situation when we want to say it's no big deal. It's all covered by the blood. Um, it costs, it costs a lot when it comes, you know, literally and figuratively to be, hold places and people and accountable and narcissism is in the blood of our churches and we want to be bigger and better and special. And it's too easy to spiritualize when somebody says, when there's some sort of pushback that it's the devil, it's not always the devil. If somebody says something is wrong something's, you know, and they bring up a problem, it doesn't mean that Satan's attacking the church. Right. Okay. So the problem with that is, <laughs> I was going to come on, th- on this earlier, but the, the problem with that is really, it's this sort of us versus them uh, mentality, yeah. which th- we can theologize very easily, right? I think that's one of the problems. Yeah, we can. This is one of the problems with when we have people who are not being discipled, I'm convinced, oh, Amen. I'm going to get in so much trouble. I am convinced that our local, many of our American evangelical local churches are made to actually keep people in line, to keep people in the, in the little system. Well, that's what they've been taught how to do. And they really believe, I think they sincerely believe that this is the way to do it. I do too. But the same pastors who believe that will also complain that nobody wants to read the Bible that nobody wants to sit and listen to their sermons, that nobody wants to come to church anymore. Uh, yeah. But it's just not true. The reality is they're just not being fed there and yeah. people are starting to to leave. But that system gener- self-perpetuates. And they're seeing hypocrisy and it's not being addressed, right? right. They're seeing that the some of the is this actually a safe place? Why is there so much abuse in the church? And why are churches not doing anything about it? Why are we giving a pass to people right. inside but, the church building that we would never give a pass to like if they weren't believers and they were just right. like a part of like but keeping, the media world. Keeping right? people immature helps uh, yeah. allow the, those kinds of things to My continue. friend Melissa says it's spiritual laziness where we sort of, put it on autopilot and we just take the word of our pastors and Bible study leaders, right? We just take their word for everything without actually digging into it ourselves. And I think that 
having all these gurus and heroes is just not good for anyone Yeah, because we rely on them too much. And then when we, you know, and they like it, you know, in some ways they like it in some ways they don't. Um, it's just like this codependent thing and that's true ruining everyone in the end everyone ends up hurt in the end because nobody can sustain that sort of like pressure and um you know scrutiny and yeah it's it's not good it's not good for anyone the problem with codependency is that it keeps you small it keeps you dependent it keeps you uh, needing instead of teaching you to take care of yourself and to grow and become the person God wants you to be. So yeah. that is a huge issue. Um, okay. So here's my question for you. You see these things and you yeah. go, whoa, mind blown. Now, what do I do? What, what is, where do you yeah. dive in? What do we do next? With God? Well, we have lots, Nathan and I have lots of talks. We're like on the same page in a lot of ways here. We pray, we talk, we walk around the neighborhood a lot and talk <laughs> without the kids. You know, if you have a spouse, you know, a lot of times serious conversations can happen when you are on a walk and your kids aren't with you. Like if they're a little older and they can be at home, you can just go for a walk, have a nice serious conversation. We just kept praying that God would, you know, you know, maybe Nathan's there to, you know, maybe just some wrong people are talking to Dave and if he would just get the right people listening to him or he would listen to the right people. Everything would be okay. I figured Dave was probably his heart was right, but he was getting some bad counsel. Maybe he just needs to settle down a little bit. He got off Twitter, which was good. He's never on there. I think somebody took away his, somebody convinced him it was not helping the brand. Um, But you know, we still had these misgivings and then late 2018 um, was just this big, late 2018, early 2019 was a big cracking point for us where, um, a good friend of mine was married to one of the main personalities at Ramsey. And she just sort of fell off the edge of the earth. She ghosted me, um, wasn't, didn't show up at the, at the Ramsey Christmas party, um, wasn't responding. I just figured something terrible had happened and I, did not leave well enough alone because there's a Nancy Drew in me, a little detective in me. (laughs) And as I was sort of trying to figure some things out, I saw the new book her husband put out, did not mention her once at all. And um, I saw on Twitter, some tweets to him that were like, Hey, um, this is, this is a verse I really like in the Bible. You should read it. And then they, like they they tweeted another verse at him too, and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna look these up. Why are people sending him Bible verses? And they were from somebody related to him. So I was like, okay. And I looked yeah. them up. They're about adultery. They're about staying true to your spouse. And I just knew at that point that this high profile representative of the company was not being faithful to his wife, even though she hadn't said anything to me. I just knew. And we prayed, what do we do about it? Right? Like you don't bring up this sort of thing. It's high stakes. But I was like, if Dave knew this, this would not be good. Uh, Dave says, if like, he's very involved in the personal lives of his employees, much more involved than I realized was uh, appropriate at the time. Yeah, wow. uh, but I figured like his book says, if your spouse can't trust you, I can't trust you. This entree leadership book. And I thought this is terrible. I mean, this is somebody that's supposed to represent 
a Christian organization out on book tour, like the face, like one of the biggest faces of the company. Yep. And so we just prayed about it. Um, he, Nathan finally reached out to his leader and said some concerns because we knew that that leader was safe. And, but I was so scared at the time, Eric, that I told Nathan to send an email from his personal email to his leader's personal email. I was just afraid if that was on their regular email, something that, terrible would happen. That is huge to just know, feel like you have to go around back. Like if, if you had the back channel at work. I know. Right. I like know. That's, that's a but problem. When your livelihood depends on it. And so many of your friends and everything is in the same place, right? It, yep. It's hard to, and so we, we prayed and prayed and prayed. And then a few weeks later, month later or so, uh, early that spring, Nathan's leader resigned. And we, who's our canary in the coal mine? We just, he didn't say all of a sudden he's just done. We're like, he knows what's yeah. happened and he's not good with it. Um, and he said, Hey, Nathan, uh, I mentioned that you had some concerns to wow. a board member and they may want to talk to you. And so they did, they called Nathan, talked to him and basically said, this woman who's your friend, isn't who you think she is. And the succession plan involves this guy and all the problems were a long, long time ago and we are moving forward and you have to choose to trust us or you know what you need to do. And Nathan and I talked and we knew what we needed to do. It was, we didn't believe him. We thought they were covering for him. We quit. I say we, because I was so involved in, the, in it with him. You know, um, Nathan resigned with no job and I was so proud of him. We were scared. We were scared, but like we knew the right thing to do. Yeah. And so did integrity you, meant leaving. Yeah. Okay. So integrity meant leaving, but what did, like, did you trust God or did you, try, or did you say, we've just got to do this because it, I completely, I wasn't, a, I mean, it was like, there was some nervousness there, but I knew God would provide for us. Nice. I was so confident in my husband's ability to do his work that I knew God would provide a job. It wouldn't be hard to find a job. It's not hard to find a software engineer job. Yeah, that's good. It's not. Um, and God did good job very, very quickly. Um, we prayed for a long time about whether to speak up or not prayed. Cause you know, this story wasn't just mine, you know, it was not just our story it involved other people's personal lives. And then in late 2000, well, sometime in 2020, while everybody was home on COVID for a little while, I decided to share a little bit of the story on my website. And that was April, 2020. And, um, Within a couple of weeks, you're getting a threatening letter from the company, the Ramsey company, um, saying that they're willing to take legal action against us. We had not signed any NDAs. Lots of people have to sign them. Well, they don't have to, but they hang, you know, if you want a severance, you know, you have to sign something. Right. Um, so they threatened us. And then they set up a call with my husband's new employer, a Zoom call. And they said terrible things about my husband and others and basically said, he did this to us. He'd be willing to do it to you. Left those the new employer with this impression that they were willing to take legal action against that new employer too, if we did something. It was it was very, very scary. Um, uh, how like harassing you somebody yeah. at their new employer is kind of um, low is the only word I can think of. But that's like I can't. That's the oh, yeah. The same time those letters were being delivered by couriers um 
And by the way, if you ever get a C and D letter, it says you need to stop it. There's no, there's nothing binding in it. Yeah. So we might do something to you. We're thinking of it. It's a threat is what it is. And we want you to back off, but you don't have to do anything. It says, right. If it says you need to respond by X, Y, Z, you can. What if you don't? Um, Yeah. So that's just an aside, but yeah, it was scary. At the same time that happened, they were gathering all of like the digital development folks together in meetings and telling them like we were planning a coup to try to take down the company and take away the income that they used to pay to feed their children and take care of their families. Yeah. And so it broke a lot of relationships, you know? Oh, so like you lost a lot of community because of that. Well, we lost some community and they also sent CNDs to others some others at the same time, there's like three of us and just out of the blue, like boom. And we were, yeah, I was quiet for a little while. We're scared for a little while, but at a certain point I'm like, what is the worst they can do? The worst they can do, they've already done. And if you need a new job, if Nathan needs a new job, you can get a new job. Yeah. And we just decided to speak up. And that was January religion news service did an article that came out in January of 2021. The, article heard around the world with the Ramsey response heard around the world. Yeah. <laughs> um, you'll have to link to that in the show notes, their response, but the response that Ramsey gave to the request for comment was worse than anything that was reported in the article he, with their own words. Um, people quit just because of how terrible the response was the public response to that article was. Um, and it, it was, it, and that started April of 2020 was like, it was time to say something. I had a journalist who ended up writing that story, reach out to me. I wasn't ready. Nobody was ready to talk, but he was persistent. And at a certain point we tested him out to see if he'd be good. And God worked it out. The timing was right for a story to come out January of 2021. And this little snowball, I like to put that in quotes because you know, the snowball. Method. Oh yeah. It sort of started this thing where the truth started to come out and it started coming out more and more and people more and more have resigned. I mean, they've, I don't know how many hundreds of people have quit in the last three years, but they haven't, I mean, they've hired a lot too, but so, so, so many have, have resigned. And I'm just so grateful that God rescued us out of that. I'm so glad that God rescued me from my own self, my own willingness to be uh, complicit in order to be comfort, to have comfort, you know, yeah. to have that comfortable position of being, you know, I could, I was, you know, admin of a Lampo ladies Facebook page. And I was helping, you know, with new people that moved to town to help them feel welcome. And I loved doing that. I loved connecting them. I loved that feeling of like, I'm doing the good thing. I'm making Nathan look better at work too. And <laughs> But is that worth it? If, if this is not, if they aren't actually being the people they say they are, if they aren't really following Jesus and if they're using the name of Jesus to actually harm people, that's a big, big deal. And it it requires you to think about your integrity. Like what is, what is more important? Wow. Yeah. That is a huge deal. That is a thing that I don't think Jesus likes very much. I think he gets very much on people like the Pharisees and, and other religious people yeah. uh, in his day about doing that very thing. Right. Um, yeah. Man, even, 
I'm thinking of the the phrase where he says, you know, you you make disciples and they're ten times worse than you. I forget the exact quote, but you know what I mean? Where he's yeah. like, they're even worse than you are because of how you've you've treated them and they think that's okay. Uh really fascinating. Okay. Well, I'm sure that so that's a that's a lot and no doubt it's hard. So I usually ask about the dark night. So I think maybe we covered it. I'm sure that's very yeah. disillusioning, right? Very yeah. very oh, yeah. question what the, what the Lord is up to. Uh, but you kind of found a message in it a, a little bit as well. Was that healing for you? Was that helpful? You know, I think it just reminded me, God reminded me of like this person that I made you to be has always been there. Only I, I don't want you trying to connect and, and do all these good things to get approval of like leaders mm-hmm. You know, what I really want to like channel your energy towards listening to those that have been in those situations that have been, you know, in their churches, their faith communities, Christian organizations of that have experienced pain. They need someone to tell them that they aren't crazy, that it's happening and that Jesus is better Um, and that they won't lose. They don't have to lose everything because there's a community of the broken that is there. And they will sit next to you and let you just mourn the loss of what you thought was, you know, that idealized version that you had in your head of what you thought all this was, there is a community of the broken that are out there and it's really beautiful. Um, And I have learned so much and felt God's presence so strongly in those areas of pain and darkness that I wasn't paying attention to as much when life is going real great. And I'm not mm-hmm. saying God wants us to go through bad things. I think Satan wants us to go through harmful, painful things. Well, and God is in the business of redeeming things always. 100%. And and this is one way he redeems that is that we feel Jesus presence in a way we don't when we're not paying attention. There's something about being in a really hard place that causes us to pay attention. Yes. Um I agree. And I, I don't think God wants us to go through hard things, but he often leads us through hard things. Right. And so he yeah. takes us to places where uh, maybe we don't want to go. I think Jesus obviously is, is the example, but in those times we learn something about who we are. He, he has a way I got this from John of the cross. He talks about the darkness of the soul. Have you ever read the darkness of the soul? I haven't. I've should, heard it I would, about a million times, but I have not read it. I'll give you the gist. Basically it's, you know, you, some people call it spiritual desert. John got locked in a closet, right? So he was so he called the dark night of the soul. But he says God uses that season to take things out, and he uses the seven deadly sins, which is much more common and accessible to to his day than ours. But uh, he says God will take those things away from you, and He instead will give you these other things, right? These other, yeah, these other things. So I hear you saying the Lord has taken from you. Um, what was the word used earlier? Uh, a complicity for comfort, right? The yeah. idea of wanting to be liked more than wanting to be like Jesus. Yeah. Well, yeah. All those kinds of things. Um, and that that's actually in, in an interesting way, also given you a voice or inspired you to use your voice yeah. to help those who are hurting. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, that's one thing I love to do on my podcast. And sometimes we take that jump. We have to do a leap of faith where God says something's wrong. You need to decide if you're going to be a part of it or not. 
before knowing all the details, right? Like we just had this like really strong conviction. We were being lied to at Ramsey. We didn't have all the details at the time. So we, we made that leap of faith, yeah. not knowing how it would all turn out. And in the end, all the things that we thought we were being lied to about, we were all pretty much all the stuff has come out in court records and depositions. And, but we did not have that at the time, yeah. you know, sometimes you don't have depositions to read through transcripts to read through uh, things under oath to help, you know, the right thing to do. All you have is just you and Jesus. Yep. And sometimes and, it's that gut feeling we talked about earlier, right? Where you go, yeah. I don't mm-hmm. think something's right. Friends, it's okay to listen to that. And I think the spiritual practice is take it to the Lord, ask the Lord, go in prayer, go off by yourself, go to a silent retreat, whatever you got to do and ask the Lord about that. What is that? And if it won't yeah. go away, it won't resolve. And he speaks to you. Maybe he'll, he'll say something. I don't know. He does that sometimes. Uh, you got to follow it, right? You got to yeah. do it. And I think you're a great example of somebody who did that and uh, is grateful for it. sounds like. Thank you. You know, I'm not going to say it didn't cost us anything, Sure. but we got so many things in return when it comes to relationships and connections and just being taken care of. Uh, I, we don't regret it. And perhaps not for d- a minute. Deeper relationships. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. And now we're in a position where we can be people that are safe for people that need someone to talk to. And that feels real good. I love that. Okay. Well, Amy, uh, we talked a little bit about kind of what you do on your podcast. We've mentioned it a few times, Untangling Faith, right? That's a, it's a great show. I've listened to it on multiple occasions. I think friends, you should as well. If you like this show, I know you'll like Amy's show. Where can people find Jamie? You can find me. Um, I have a website, untangledfaithpodcast.com. And it's got a link to pretty much all of my episodes. I switched hosts. So some of the embedded players, I'm still uh, still yeah. working on updating. Um, also, you can find Untangled Faith Podcast anywhere. You listen to podcasts, but I'm also on Twitter as uh, Faith Untangled and on Instagram as Untangled Faith. So Love I'm pretty it. easy to find all over. Yeah, so I'd love to talk to people. love to connect with people. If somebody wants to reach out or just wants to see what's up. Maybe you have a story, friends. Maybe you have something that uh, you just need somebody who gets it. Uh, you can certainly reach out to Amy because she does. Amy, thanks for sharing some of your story. Is there anything you want to leave us with? Um, I just want to say that I know there are a lot of people listening, probably around maybe my age and your age because that's sort of the kind of audience that we attract somebody somebody close to our age a little before a little behind us that has seen some things and this feels disillusioned and frustrated what they've seen in the christian evangelical world and i just want you to know you're not alone um there's a lot of people feeling sort of angsty and misplaced and not sure how they fit into it all um you're not alone and jesus is better Mm, amen he is absolutely better thanks for that amy i appreciate it you're welcome